The views and opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the author and any content provided by the hosts or the guests of this podcast are based on their own opinions and upon information that they consider accurate or reliable. It should not be relied upon as such. The content should be only considered for entertainment purposes only. Thanks. Get your smoke on, I'll get your chill on, let's get these conversations on, crawling on moms, and anybody who's living life, the Pop Moms Podcast is here, talking all things cannabis, with a mama twist, like a freshly rolled hemp joint, infused with a bit of that, a bit of this, it's all part of the experience of life, thanks for tuning in, you ready to begin, then welcome to the PMP, Pop Moms Podcast. I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I'm sitting in the parking lot at my daughter's gymnastics, watching the guy in the car next to me pick his nose. I thought it would be the perfect time to write the intro to this episode. Mm, that's dope. We had the chance to interview Gina Dubay, who is one of the co-founders of both Greenhouse Wellness, which is an award-winning dispensary, and a brand called Blissiva, which is a female-focused cannabis line. Nice. Gina's also a best-selling author with the book High Heels, How Two Women Found Their Footing in the Medical Cannabis Industry. Now, don't take it from me that Gina is a fantastic business owner, advocate, you know, just really making sure that women are at the forefront of the medical cannabis industry and field and that our needs are being met. I'll let her tell you all about it herself. Let's cut to the interview. Keep blazing. Stay amazing. Pop Moms rule. Well, thank you so much, Gina, for joining us today on the Pop Moms podcast. We're super excited to have you, uh, Gina, as well as one of her uh, co-founders, Dr. Apgar. Uh, they founded Greenhouse Wellness, which is an award-winning dispensary, and Blasiva, which is a female-focused cannabis line. So that's amazing because we're also females, we're moms who love cannabis. It's really awesome to speak with you about this. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in cannabis? It is a pleasure to be here today. I am actually an engineer by trade, and I found my way to cannabis in kind of an odd way. First of all, I had never used cannabis in my life. I grew up went to engineering school, put myself through school, got a job that had a security clearance, so I never tried it. I ran a venture fund for a while, and I sold my last company, which was an ice pack company that I had started in my basement to teach my children entrepreneurship. And we had sold it to Biories because we had shipped many millions of ice packs, and I had retired. And a gentleman called me up who was going to invest in cannabis in Maryland and asked me if I'd be interested in joining. And I said, what's the return profile? And he said, oh, honey, you would never understand the math. Well, that didn't go over too well with me. So I sat down and wrote the proposal with 10 days 
um, left and ended up winning a dispensary license in Maryland. Heck and yeah, you, look, you show them. You were looking at someone who had never smoked cannabis, knew very little about it, but knew about business. And I think that's been our secret sauce because many of the folks in the cannabis industry are phenomenally skilled and knowledgeable about cannabis, but perhaps not as knowledgeable about running a business. Yeah, I think I totally agree with you just based off of a lot of the stuff and, you know, the boom when anything kind of starts trending, you know, there's an influx of people and you're right, it's usually pretty dichotomous. It's people who have, you know, a ton of experience in it but may not know how to run a business or it's people who know how to run a business without a ton of cannabis experience. But so. also, if you look yeah. at how the whole industry started with, like, California being the first state to legalize medicinal um, they approached it as a treatment, not as a business. And then when Colorado legalized, they brought in people like Harvard MBAs and all these, like, you know, top-level CEOs, business corporations to run the cannabis business, like, or industry like a business. And that first year, they made, what, $14 billion in profits and revenue from the industry. So complete, like, uh, 180 from what California did. So you're absolutely right. When it launched, it launched as a not as a business, but as an alternative treatment. So there wasn't the business mindset until Colorado really came in and did it. And at that point, it's been so many years. So it became more of an industry of passion than it was of um, commerce. And we really look at it as a medical issue here. My partner is an OBGYN. Her name's Dr. Leslie Apgar. She has delivered thousands of babies here in the Maryland area. So she knows women, women's health needs and patient needs. And so we structure our entire practice around the patients. Our average age is over 60, which is sounds kind of unusual. And those folks are coming in for not to get high, but rather to solve a medical issue. So it's been an interesting ride. Yeah, that's really amazing. So you told us how you really weren't a cannabis user prior to getting involved in the industry. Are you a cannabis user now? And can you tell us about what, if so, what it was like you know, your first time consuming cannabis? Well, first of all, I am approaching 60, and my needs were things like sore joints, and we have balms and creams that take care of that with no psychoactive effect. I personally don't smoke, have never smoked, don't want to smoke. So those products weren't an option for me. But what was astonishing was I have had an ulcer for 10 years. I went on a 10 to 1 CBD to THC capsule. My ulcer is gone for the first time in 10 years. It is just wow. amazing to me. Right. And this is all non-psychoactive. We're not talking about the recreational aspects, but rather the medicinal ones. And we tend to staff with nurses, dietitians, fitness professionals, those who really look at our customer needs and try to acknowledge and honor that. You don't want to be psychoactively impaired. We can fix that. And on the alternative is those that are dying of terminal cancer who do want to be medicated, who don't want to be on opioids and want to be alert but don't want to be in pain. And we can fix that too. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, part of the reason that we love the plant is just based off of how much, how many different ways you can experience it, whether it be smoking it, whether it be vaping it, whether it be taking it, you know, uh, orally, taking it with a suppository. Like there's, there's so many different ways to go ahead and consume it. And I think that that's really great just as 
people begin to explore other opportunities, uh, you know, to kind of dig into different types of um, of me- of medical yeah, uh, like medical easy. reasons to use it. Yeah, and way more than like other medications or other medicines uh, or options or treatments, you can really control how you want to feel, how you like what you want it to do. Like you could take. Depending on the strain, it'll affect, like, if you are having a really anxious day, you can take a different strain than if you, you know, are just uh, feeling a little bit down or have a lot of energy and want to try to come down a little bit. Or, you know, there's just, like, so many use cases. And if you know how, enough information about the plant, then you know how to use it to treat everything pretty much. Well, that's why we developed Placebo for Women. Um, our first lines were vape pens, and they were for anxiety, and that line is called balance because we find that with women, especially as you go through menopause, there is so much anxiety and lack of sleep. So the goal for the Lucina isn't to make you feel impaired, but rather it to be like a deep breath or a glass of Chardonnay. It's a balanced one-to-one CBD and THC with some terpenes that really allow women to manage their anxiety and stress during the day. And then we have a different variety called Soothe, which is 3 to 1 THC to CBD, which is really for menstrual cramps, perimenopause, pain, endometriosis. So people do medicate for different reasons, and I think now the variety of options honor that. Yeah, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I really... I really love how you guys have made a focus on helping with women's specific issues like PMS, breast cancer symptoms, menopause, anxiety. I mean, I definitely suffer from at least two of those on the reg. Um, so, you know, I, I, I love using cannabis for that and, and just to be able to, you know, really slow down. And I think, you know, you hit, a nail, hit the nail on the head is, you know, moms have to wear so many different hats and like, what cannabis in, in its psychoactive and non-psychoactive forms do for me is they just don't get me to that precipice of anger or right. worry. You know, you kind of can just soak in and, and feel actually how you're feeling that day at that time. Well, and with Placebo, we've, we've flavored them or scented them so that you can medicate with a disposable very discreetly and have the smell of vanilla or cucumber, or lemons, so that it's also private. Because we're all dealing with children, and you don't necessarily want people to know what you're doing. For sure. I mean, we would love to see a world where it doesn't matter what you're doing, especially as the legalization of cannabis continues forward. But, I mean, you you completely, you know, we live in a state where it's, it's legal, and, um, you know, our experience with having it be legal for the last, however many years, like almost 10 years at this point, um, you know, like we often forget that there are stigmas attached to it because it is a little bit more norm, norm core here. So like what we experience sometimes when we'll travel or we'll go out of town or, you know, I'm from the Midwest, whenever I go back, um, then we hide it. You have to hide it. Exactly. So, you know, I like the ability that you've just, you've built in uh, discreteness and, you know, kind of really complimentary terpene flavor profiles to enhance the feeling from your products. Also, like, I think it's just, like, the act of smoking itself. Like, people may or may not yeah. have feelings about pot or cannabis, but 
and smoking, the smell of it, in in general, like cigarettes, tobacco, or tobacco or cannabis, whatever it is, I think that has a stigma attached to it as well. So, you know, and it's also something like not necessarily you'd want your, maybe you don't want your kids to see you like smoking, no matter if it smells good or bad or if it has, you know, it's just. Oh, yeah, I've had those conversations yeah. recently. I have an, uh now nine-year-old who is actually born on 420, so his world's <laughs> going to change once he gets old enough. Um, but, I mean, you know, after after the kids go to bed every night, my husband and I go out to our front porch and we smoke together. And, you know, he's, you know, we came in and he's like, Mom, like, you smell like smoke. Were you smoking cannabis? So, like, I mean, he said marijuana, and I corrected him. <laughs> but, but, you know, like, I mean, we grow it in our backyard, so we're really trying to have it be more of, like, a holistic, like, something that he's been accustomed to since he was small. But, I mean, that being said, you know, like, the stigma is very real. The stigma is it exists. And, you know, as soon as I said that with confidence out of one side of my mouth, I'm like, shit, don't tell your teachers because they might not exactly. understand, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And I think and that, like for that, oh, go ahead. No, no, go. For that reason and more, you know, like the cannabis industry is, it's really tough and, and specifically for women. We'd love to hear about any times where, you know, you've been in a situation where you felt that stigma or you felt that, you know, kind of like that disadvantage in just being in the cannabis industry and being a woman and how you were really able to, you know, move through that. Well, it's funny. We wrote a book called Hot Heels, and it's H-E-A-L-S, because we encountered nothing but resistance from the first day. Now, in truth, we were late to the party, and I wrote the proposal with 10 days left and tossed it over the wall and really did not anticipate winning. So they announced the winners. My name's on the license. My bank calls me up the next day and said, we'd like to invite you to leave the bank. And I'm like, excuse me? Yes, we'd like to invite you to leave the bank. You're in part in the cannabis industry now. I said, well, when you invite all the men to leave the bank, I'm happy to. Until then, I have no intention of it. Keep me posted. That's awesome. I'm glad that you said that. I I feel like I also, in my my current life, like calling out when it is not fair treatment. That is awesome. And so I'm still with that bank. Now, my kids' college savings accounts are there, right? This is a family bank. But the stigma of cannabis is real. To find real estate is an act of God. Real estate is hard because the banks are too nervous. If they have a mortgage on something, the federal government will come in and take the property. So you really can't get a building that has a mortgage on it. When I look at the Maryland licensure, we're one of under 3% that are female-owned. And as a result of that, Sometimes at the beginning of the industry, the good old boys network would kick in and I'd find that other dispensaries were getting better deals and I'd call them up and I'd go, why? And they would say something like, well, you have to buy a certain quantity and I'd go, okay, I'll take that quantity and they go, well, we're out. But now we are a respected player. I believe we are treated fairly and above board because we pay our bills and we're here to play. And I think that's the final issue as a woman, you've got to kind of demonstrate that you've got the wherewithal and you're going to play the game. Yeah, totally. I mean, 100% having to prove yourself as a female in the space, that's like, it applies to so many areas of of the female life. Like, I don't know about you. I'm super tired of doing it. I'm very happy to continue doing it. (laughs) Um, But as soon as, you know, society can, uh, you know, maybe just get 
get it together to look at things a little bit more objectively or to your point, I mean, like you called these people out and they still were like, nope. (laughs) Like how has that evolved since, you know, you've been in business for a longer period of time and, and kind of how that's even been affected through COVID? Well, COVID was, um, sadly, amazing for our business. In Maryland, we were considered essential workers. We stayed open the entire time. We moved to a curbside model because we had so many patients with anxiety. And so COVID was a good thing for us. The the not so good thing for us as women is the fact that we still have to have this conversation. The fact that we're still fighting for equality. The fact that we're still a minority. Um, so that's been the most difficult part of it for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like um, my day job before. I worked in sports. So um, same thing, the very all-boys club industry. Um, and as a woman, and especially as like a minority woman, there wasn't a lot of people that looked like me when I started my career. Um, and even until just the last couple of years, but I'd have to come to the table all the time and just make an announcement that, like, I have the biggest balls in this room. I'll prove them to you, like, every single time I walked in to a meeting where I was, like, the only female and it was all, you know, these middle-aged, you know, white men. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah, and, and cannabis, on top of that, you're also then, like, now – um, now it's an all-boys club of people who have share the same, like, interest of smoking weed. So when you have women that come in and women who are very, like, well-educated and have all these accolades from the non-cannabis world, it's probably a little intimidating for these men. And so they start excluding you in ways that are just silly and, you know, really, like, petty. But Dr. I'm glad you were able to break through. Dr. Avgar and I have been told we were wrong so many times, and I think people might have been right about nine-tenths of them, but our convictions were always that the patients were first, we were going to give a medical experience, and we were going to stick to our guns as to what we chose to offer, and we probably are number one in the state in terms of selection. We have over 300 products here, and there truly is something for everyone. So if you are suffering from terminal cancer, we have a line of products that will help. If you're suffering from a variety of illnesses, we can help. So it really is a matter of focus, but our place is not the place that you come in and, like, pick a bud from a jar. It just isn't that kind of place. Yeah, and, I mean, serving the cannabis community looks different for each cannabis user, you know, which is which is really cool. Um, do you have any, like, real-life stories of patients that, like, you've been able to help that, you know, would inspire either listeners who haven't taken that step or people who still have questions? Do you have any, you know, kind of real-life experience from now dealing with, with patients on a, you know, very regular basis who are looking to get help? Uh, do you have any, any, any examples or stories that you can tell us about that? You know, every day we see a patient. Our patient number one was a woman who was in the Afghan war serving our country in the armed services. And so she didn't want to go very public with this, but she was in a Humvee accident and had broken her back in many places. When she first came to us, she couldn't drive herself. Her husband drove her here. Her pupils were pinpoint. She was on so much opioids and a fentanyl pump to boot. She could hardly ambulate into the dispensary. She was on a mission. She wanted off the opioids. So within three months, 
she had backed herself off of all the opioids, which we thought was a very aggressive timeline. And now, after a year, has weaned herself off of 100% of the cannabis. She now comes in bright-eyed, a new lease on life, driving herself, not in pain, not on opioids, and not addicted to anything. And so, you know, I find that humbling. But our terminal patients, it's so sad. They may win for a while, but in the end, cancer usually wins. And we cheer at their successes, and we cry at their funerals. And we have a variety of patients. We have patients who now are walking after MS. Parkinson's, for me, is the most astonishing because they come in shaking, just shaking, unable to drink a cup of coffee, unable to read their Kindle. And with five milligrams or less of THC, so a non-psycho-impairing dose, one woman sat here and cried at our counter because she said, I can drink my coffee without a straw or a sippy cup. I can read my newspaper. And I thought to myself, how humbling. What we all take for granted, she finds is the biggest gift. And so we yeah. see it every day. We see it in a variety of ways. We see the Vietnam vet with PTSD who wanted to commit suicide not because he said that a small dose of cannabis really helped. So it is an everyday occurrence here, and it is humbling, and it is affirming that this is medicine and needs to be available. I couldn't agree with you more, and especially calling out it being medicinal. And, like, I think the one good thing to come out of, if there is anything um, of the last year and a half, is, cannabis dispensaries and cannabis being being recognized as essential something that exactly. didn't shut down something like that like above all like when I heard that I was like okay all right like I get that there's a lot of steps backwards but this is a step forward because even at the very least it's getting communities talking about it it's getting you know it's getting people more comfortable having the conversations and I think like kind of to go back to something that you had said earlier regarding, you know, not only the bank from a funding perspective, but finding a location for cannabis dispensaries. Like it's not, there's so many stipulations and they vary by state in terms of how close to a childcare facility you can be, how close to a school you can be. Like there's, there's a lot of stipulations that make it be hard to like find a space. And I think the spaces that are available don't help the stigma image of dispensaries. In exactly. A lot of cases, it's in and and They're this really is shady. a seedy, yeah. you know, like yep. a small. It's like with other like massage parlors and things like that, bars, and, and when, that's fine. But it's like to try to elevate and break away from that stigma right. of it not being, you know. I mean, we need to fix maybe the stigmas of other things as well. But like to have you know, not even really give cannabis, you know, a, a start, you know, a like medical a, center or like a strip mall right. with a medical facility or like a clinic or something, you know, so that the association then becomes it's medicinal and not just like a late night, you know, CD activity that you might do. Well, and, you know, and it's interesting too to like examine like why we use cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because for the longest time I was like, no, I, don't, I just, I like smoking weed. And so like then looking at when I'm not the things that I'm missing, if it's from an anxiety perspective or, you know, like just 
I mean, I, I get really busy and I just, I don't, I forget to eat and I don't have an appetite. So like, that's something that keeps me like nourished in a way that I need to make sure that I'm doing. So like, it's funny to think about something that is stigma as something that makes you lazy or, you know, something that doesn't do a ton of good for a community. Like it does. And it's just, it's really, it's changing that narrative. And um, I'm not sure if you're familiar Um, But we have an upcoming episode that is coming out where we actually go back and watch uh, Reefer Madness. (laughs) Oh, gosh. And I mean, that's that's a movie that was made in 1934, right? But that's where a lot of today's stigma was originally rooted within our grandparents and our parents and, and, you know, prior generations. So I'm not after, especially after watching that movie, like I'm not at all surprised because if this is what Mm -hmm. people were telling you, you know, in a very, um, you know, in a very, you know, like they wanted to get you riled up by showing you this, like that works. And we've seen that through COVID, seen this through a lot of other like situations where just the hysteria creates a lot of false information. So like, that's why, you know, we're excited to talk to you and hear the different ways that you're, you know, changing that narrative in your community. Well, we need federal investigation. We need funded federal research. And until we come off schedule one with cannabis, that's never going to happen. And that's the saddest thing is we can quickly clear up the controversy with some non-anecdotal data, with some hardcore medical data on what cannabis can and can't do. Yeah, absolutely. Just even unlocking federal funding, you know, like that's such a huge conversation. And like even prior to all of those things happening, as cannabis is legalized across the U.S., something that has to be addressed is the fact that people are being incarcerated for something that's legal or that is undefined across federal lines. Exactly. We so agree with you on that. We believe that most people who use cannabis were treating a medical problem and didn't even know. Like we find a lot of people with ADHD had been self-medicating for years. And now that we can do reproducible dosing, it, it just helps everybody. Yeah, like I love that you say that because for me, it's, um, I have really, really, really bad ADD. And I am, um, my my dosage is already over like the the you know approved limit um, for a person so um if i didn't use cannabis to help me medicate and really why i've been using cannabis since you know i was like 14 um is because if i didn't then i wouldn't be able to even um, get enough meds like prescribed meds that would help me treat my um add so i wouldn't be able to like function essentially you know like as I do now. So like the cannabis I use jointly because they can't prescribe me more than my dose that I'm at now. And so, yeah, and I've been doing that for, you know, more than half my life at this point. So, um, but without realizing it in the beginning, but just knew that it made me be able to center myself. And like, especially when, you know, at the time when I was at young, my parents, you know, like mental health wasn't an issue we talked about at home. No, it it went untreated for so long outside of, my voluntary cannabis. <laughs> well, what people don't realize is we have CB1 and CB2 receptors in our body. And like Adderall and ADD medications fill one of those receptors. Well, if you put cannabis on board, the receptor is already filled, so you need less additional medication to fulfill that receptor's needs. And that's why we can help back people off of opioids. 
and use less prescription medication. Yeah, I love that. I'm all for it. You know, like I kind of, I, I laugh in a very sad way when I see advertisements for uh, like big pharma drugs where you, they list the side effects. Like, and I look, at, don't want. I look at my husband and I'm like, does that even make your life any better than like right. what symptom itself is? And like, with, I mean, the downsides of cannabis are, you know, you, you must have that, that. Yeah. or like sleep or, I mean, I know that there's definitely like an, a side of anxiety that depending on what you're smoking. And I've personally experienced that too. Um, but at the same point, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, there's so many different options and, and I really, you know, I really enjoy that. And it's like natural, you know, like my, the medication I take for like my ADD, it's made up in some yeah, lab yeah. somewhere, you know? So like, um, and it hasn't been around long enough for people to like really know like the true long-term effects, you know, because it hasn't been around as long as cannabis has. And so we know what the long-term effects of cannabis use would be. We know like, you know, we don't know like everything that it can cure or, yeah, but we like it's been around for way longer than a lot of the medications um, that are prescribed to us that we don't even think twice about taking. Yeah, so with probably right. similar amounts of re- well, I mean, similar amounts of research to what the downsides are. But yeah, mm-hmm. I do also think it's fascinating that we've got FDA approval on cannabis-like substitutes like Marinol or Epidiolex, mm-hmm. but we can't do that research on cannabis itself. Instead, we can do it on things that emulate cannabis. So it, there definitely is a dichotomy and, a, and a, many things that we need to address here. But I think we're getting there. And the preponderance of the American people have the pendulum has swung and now would like cannabis, cannabis legalized. So hopefully we'll see that in the next couple of years. Yeah, you and me both got our fingers crossed over here, Gina. <laughs> so I, So you have a book. You and Dr. Leslie Afgar wrote a book together, and so it's called High Heels. So first off, I love puns, so obviously I'm super into it. So High Heels has kind of a twofold, right? So it's high, like the production that you get from incorporating <laughs> THC in your life, and heels, it's, you know, high heels. Those are very, they're feminine, right? But this is spelled H-E-A-L-S, and I just, like, I love that, you know, it's it's cheeky and it also really conveys like how you guys are working within the cannabis industry to really, you know, enhance uh, medical treatment and, and connecting with your community and the people who are going to your dispensary in a different way. Can you tell us like what made you want to write the book, uh, where the book's available? Just give us a rundown on, you know, this exciting uh, publication. Well, we wrote the book primarily as a love letter to other women. Because what we found is women didn't have the courage to jump in or they had a lot of questions and they would talk themselves out of it. It was meant to be very honest that it has not been always easy for us, that you do hit roadblocks, that we've been wrong a lot of the time. But it is a form of encouragement to say, you can do this too. We're no smarter than you. We work very hard and we believe in our patients. And I think as women, we need to do that for each other. So that was our genesis. Um, the book itself is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. We also have an audio book that you can download. And it truly is meant to be just an eye-opener to the cannabis industry and, and what people may encounter because we're very different. I mean, we had talked earlier in the podcast about how many 
dispensaries are in less than optimum locations. We're in a medical building with alternative healing practices, and we have light coming into our facility. It's all white leather and crystal chandeliers. We want it to be like a med spa because you're going somewhere to fix a medical problem. Love that. And who doesn't? Like, I think everybody deserves a nice spa day, so I love that you made it feel (laughs) (laughs) like that. We need to go. Yeah, totally. Okay. Closer. <laughs> I never, I, I, I love coast-to-coast flights. I catch up on my movies. <laughs> I actually live in Maryland. So. <laughs> so what do you guys, what do you have up on the radar? What's coming up next for you guys that we can get, you know, listeners excited about? Well, in Blasiva, we're working on a product called Smolder, which is a, two-phased product, and it was designed by Dr. Apgar, who as an OBGYN has dealt with female sexual problems her whole career. And it is a vape, so you get that instantaneous lift to get in the mood, because we as women are like an, an ember. It takes us a while to heat up. Men, on the other hand, are kind of more like a light switch, off or on. And so Smolder allows you to accelerate that process with the vape portion of it, and then there is a vaginal insert that will also increase the sensitivity and sensations within the vagina. So it's a two-punch, and we hope to have that out in bay this fall. Oh, that's super exciting. Yeah, we love a good cannabis lube. I love that. <laughs> I know, honestly, I mean, because it's like it couldn't be more focused for women, and, like, let's be honest, this, the sexual wellness and the sexual uh, you know, appreciation has been around men. So every time I hear there's another, there's a lube on the market for cannabis, like, heck yeah, like, let's mm-hmm. talk about it. Let's, you know, at least we'll get our partners who so please <laughs> on board with uh, <laughs> it not being, you know, a, a crutch on their masculinity, which I think is another stigma that we'll have to go ahead and maybe address another day. But I mean, I love <laughs> working within cannabis and how we work it into women's pleasure and women's sexual health. I think it's super important. If, and if by talking about weed helps us talk about sexual health more, well, that's just fantastic. That's it. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Dr. Apper said it's the number one complaint when women came in her practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because everyone wants to come, and it's wonderful, <laughs> right? Like, we should yeah. be celebrating that and anything that gets us to that. I like, though, how you guys have a – how you guys are doing it as a two-pronged, like, approach. So you're, like, prepping with the vape and then super prepping with the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Because we're on two really different neural pathways. And it's like when we give people prescriptions or recommendations to sleep, you want something that gets you to sleep and then something that keeps you asleep. Mm-hmm. With sex, you want something to get you in the mood and then something to keep you in the mood. So we're trying the one-two punch, and, and we're quite optimistic and encouraged by the results. I love that. Thank you for advoca- advocating for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> So do you have any advice for anyone who's looking to start a medicinal uh, or otherwise uh, cannabis routine um, or any, any parting words that, you know, you can tell the listeners around any, any ways that you've found to overcome or I know education is definitely a big part of it and in informing. Um, is there anything you can send our listeners off with, you know, a suggestion for incorporating it into their daily lives? Start slow, start low. 
because the biggest issue that we see are people that come in and they take an edible, they don't feel anything for 15 minutes, they take a second edible, then their heart is racing and they're having a panic attack. So let's start really slow with edibles especially because they're going to take a 45-minute onset to an hour. So that is my biggest recommendation because you don't want to come in and have a bad experience your first time. You want to have a controllable experience where you start to relax and you can lean into this as an alternative medication. So it's just truly to work with a dispensary that understands your issues. You never want to jump in and go, hey, I'll take that RSO syringe. That is not for a new user, but rather to be very patient. And it's not like one product is going to fix everything. You kind of have to go at it slowly and systematically. No, and I love that you say that, too, because it's so funny with, you know, the more potency that there is in edibles and how I feel like it's a lot harder to control. Like when I take an edible, I know that I could go from, you know, there's a range that, you know, I could go ahead and feel. And so I think there's less stigma. And we did an entire episode around this and how, you know, we spoke with, uh, one of the, I don't even want to call him a weed guy because in Seattle, I mean, it's like artisanal bakery <laughs> items. Um, but, you know, we spoke with him and he's like, within the last, you know, two years, my uh, consumer base has flipped to women because of primarily him switching to edibles. So, like, there's less of a stigma around eating a cute piece of candy or a cookie, but it really, to your point, doesn't really give you, especially as a new user, um, the, I guess, experience you might be looking for. So I couldn't, you know, agree with you more that starting slow, starting low, and just like, you know, it's funny because people will have one bad experience with cannabis and they'll write it off. But like, I I can count on so many hands the times I've thrown up from alcohol um, and, 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 you know, and then there's no, like, oh, well, of course we're going out to the bar, you know? So it's like, that's kind of the thing that I try to remind people who, you know, are hesitant or like, oh, it's not for me. So it's like, okay, well, what made it not for you? And then like, let's talk about that. And let's talk about, you know, how, how you want to proceed forward. I think it's hard for women. I think it's specifically hard for moms after you've been out of the weed game to go ahead and like get back into it. And, you know, what we're looking to do is, you know, we've had interviews with bud tenders. We've had, uh, you know, we've, we've talked to people about like how you can approach a bud tender and have those conversations, but it is, you know, it's, it's facing people with a question of like, how do you want to feel? And some people don't really know how to articulate that. So I think that there's gaps on all sides and, you know, just being able to talk about the stigmas around mental illness or, you know, feeling not great every day or, you know, whatever, if we can continue to break that down, then that'll just further enhance the experience that people can have with cannabis. Exactly. People need to approach it the same way you would with any kind of like uh, therapy, medicinal treatment is, um, it, it, especially like the same way you approach it with anything that's not cannabis related. Like, so if you are on a medication and it's not doing what it's, what you think it should be doing, or if it's not working for you, it's making you feel bad, then um, you would immediately tell your doctor or you would tell them so that, or, you know, whoever prescribed it or who's working on the treatment for you so that they could adjust it. And it's the same thing with cannabis. If you feel like it's not working, you know, um, you should feel the, like ability that you could talk to somebody about them and you should find a bud tender or dispensary that um that you aren't afraid to ask those questions to let them know because it is like 
there it isn't a one-way street. There are definitely a ton of different options out there. Um, and with edibles, I think, like, people forget it's, your body has to metabolize it. So if you have a really fast metabolism, it's probably kicking a lot sooner than somebody who has a slower metabolism. But nobody has a 15-minute metabolism. So, so we um, need to be yeah. just a little bit more patient. <laughs> Like We're always like, okay, don't take a second one. Just wait. Just wait. Yeah, we um, we say that. I tell people all the time, like, you're like, before you take a second one, actually eat some, eat a different piece of candy or eat something that's fatty that doesn't have cannabis in it because the THC does react to, you know, or it binds to fat cells. So sometimes that'll help. Or you just need to kick your metabolism up a little. But yeah, I think. I remember the first time um, I did edibles too. I said, this isn't working. And then I ended up eating like two or three. And I remember <laughs> like really enjoying being that stone, but also at the same time, like this is like way too stone. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think this is what was intended. Right. Well, that's awesome. That's good advice. Low and slow. Either mm-hmm. to, to get that smolder, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking time today. Um, could you let us know where listeners can get a hold of you uh, if they are looking to find out more? Of course. You can reach us at the dispensary here at greenhousewellness.com. You can look at our women's line of products at blissiva.com, or you can download the book or read it at highheels.biz, and that's H-E-A-L-S. And it has been my absolute pleasure to be on the podcast today. Thank you so much for what you're doing for all of us. Likewise. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, folks, that's all we've got for you. Thanks so much for staying to listen to the end of this message. I kind of don't think that a lot of people do. So if you do, super big thumbs up to you. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram at Pop Moms Podcast. If you feel like chatting, send me an email, popmomspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, We're also on Twitter. We're also on Facebook, Pop Moms Podcast, pretty consistent there. Uh, We're going to be closing up this most recent season for the summer, uh, but we're going to be having a weekly go live Instagram sesh. So look forward for more information on that. Uh, Subscribe to our mailing list too at www.popmoms.com. Keep blazing. Stay amazing. Bye. Super mom, there she is, doing it all, looking so beautiful. Bye, mom. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why isn't the endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up to date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast and, of course, on PodConnects.